Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, The Makeup Man. Be sure and buy a guidebook if you ever come to Cairo. It'll come in pretty handy. It'll tell you about the pyramids and the religion and the people, to drink plenty of boiled water and move slow, and the kind of clothes to wear so you'll be able to handle the heat. But the guy I met yesterday must have quit school early or he didn't like guidebooks. He was standing at my door in a cutaway coat and pinstripe pants, derby hat, cane, gloves, elevator shoes, and a fistful of Egyptian pound notes. You are Mr. Jordan, no? I, Max Blodney, have come to see you unappointed. That's right, I'm Jordan. Uh-huh. I come in. Sure, why not? Ah, you will do it? Do what, Mr. Uh, Max Blodney. Blodney, Max, 1642 Mulholland Drive, Hollywood 28, an Imperial Studio Payroll, Social Security 5248-1978. I am American like yourself. <laughs> You're a long way from home, Yankee. Sit down. I do not have time, Mr. Jordan. I will not sit. However, I demonstrate. You see, this flower is wilted. I do not need it. This luggage check already lost. Also, I do not need. Cane. Ah, I place on desk. A gift from my grandfather. Very nice fellow I keep. Also, gloves which I buy in Paris. Now, uh, what I have left, Mr. Jordan? About 200 pounds in Egyptian banknotes. From bank I have just come. Also, this I do not need. For you. All for you. <laughs> I don't have a nickel. Why do I win the jackpot? Ah, now what I have. I answer myself. Bullet hole in Derby, you see? Uh? He's not finished. One, two, three. Those look like 38 slugs. Where'd you get them? Out of doorway to soundstage, I dig them, where I am shot last night as I work. Well, who's shooting at you? If I know who shoot, I shoot back. I have no enemies. Everyone in picture company is mad in love with Max Vladny. I can buy new hat, but cannot buy new hat. Mr. Jordan, please, you will stop my body from dying. Well, you're in the wrong place. The police department's eight blocks down the street. I will explain. In Imperial Motion Picture Studio, where Master of Makeup Max Vladny is imported to Cairo, Egypt, with the entire cast and company of great desert epic Tie My Rope Tight to create beautiful faces from skinny skulls and fat necks is much newspaper. Free publicity sometimes for agents to press. Egyptian police think because I work for Motion Picture Company is free trick for agents to press into newspaper. But it's not free, Mr. Jordan. To you, I come to take no chance. Uh, all right, you made your point. In I am, Mr. Jordan. You will accompany me, no? Yeah, I haven't seen a real movie set in a long time. Sure, why not? <sighs> Already better, I feel. 
kind of liked the little guy. I guess I believed his story. Sounded screwy enough to be the truth. Well, we went down and got a cab out to the location set, which was over in Giza, near the pyramids. I tried to get a little more information out of him, but it didn't come to much. He couldn't figure out why somebody was shooting at him or who was doing it. It was about four o'clock... Uh, Danny, you busy? Come in, Dr. Sinsky. Sit down. Thank you. I just came from the autopsy room, Danny. And? Uh, has that man brought in from the swimming pool, the drowned one, has he been identified, Danny? Not yet. What's in your mind? He was murdered. Murdered? How? Whoever administered artificial respiration to that man killed him as surely as if he had driven a knife into his heart. Dr. Sinsky... Gently, Danny, gently. I'll explain. Inside of the chest, Danny, is a delicate system of balances. Balances which cannot be upset. Else a man's heart will be affected in his lungs. What's that got to do with murder? Simply that the autopsy I just performed on the drowned man revealed small internal hemorrhages. Bruises of the muscles and bones of the chest from too active a manipulation. You mean that lifeguard didn't do... I mean he did a very bad job of artificial respiration. That's why you call it murder. Not premeditated, of course, Doctor. This is not the question in your mind. You wanted to ask if it was premeditated, didn't you, Danny? And let the question take over the room. Add the weight of its violence to the oppressive night heat, the stifling remembrance of other such questions posed in the same room, quietly, fearfully. Because a policeman, too, reacts to the touch of death. It fills the room, and against its pressure, you lift the phone, make the call to the Department of Public Works, have them check personnel files, Come up with an address for Russ Gavey, lifeguard. Go there to the hall bedroom furnished in the style of brownstone, East Twenties. Find it empty of Russ Gavey. Be told on the way out by the woman spread wide on the stoop you should have asked before. Russ was across the street in the park on that bench fighting for his share of the night air. Walk up to Russ. Let him chew the last fiber of a matchstick. And taking my well-earned rest. You want to help, Mr. Clover? Sure. Mind if I sit down, Russ? Yeah, sit down. You were almost a hero today, Russ. You're kidding. That's how I make my daily summer bread, 50 bucks a week. Ogle a girl, save a life. How long have you been a lifeguard, Russ? Oh, six, maybe seven summers. Time out for a frolic on Anzio Beach. Then you've uh, had a lot of experience saving people from drowning. Am I a lot of share? The medical examiner down at headquarters says that man you try to save... Yeah, I remember. Our medical examiner says he was murdered. Oh? How come? Our man says it was murder because artificial respiration wasn't applied properly. Well, your man is a smart man. But a four-bit-a-week lifeguard does the best he can. He studies in classes, he follows a first-aid manual. (laughs) You call him a murderer because he didn't make out with one poor slob. You tell me, Russ. You murder the man? Now, considering the percentage of lives that are saved and not saved by such as we... That's a question you may never be able to answer. How come? I'll keep trying, Russ. You won't mind, huh? Danny, why don't you never turn on a light? You sit like this in the dark by yourself. It's... I got one of the Tartaglia kids to home does the same thing. You both make me feel the same way. You've got your problems, haven't you, Gina? I could do without them. You in the mood, Danny? Sure, for whatever. What have you got? 
nothing. No progress on identification of the drowned man. No progress on a connection between him and that lifeguard, Russ Gaby. Reports on Gaby state he is looked up to at the pool by girls and ladies-sized swimmers. Occasionally, he buys for one or the other a beer at the concession stand. Occasionally, escorts one or the other type to her home, deposits it, goes to the newsstand, buys super-type magazines, goes to his room. Healthy, normal muscle boy. Maybe a murderer, Gino. Uh, pardon me, Danny, but I must take a... Sergeant Artaglia speaking. Yes? Yeah, I got it. Hanson's Pawn Shop, East 34th. I told you I got it. <sighs> they bother us with such... Such what? Your company. Maybe. You're sort of confused, aren't you? You don't really know whether it's just a trick or not, do you? Oh, uh, that isn't what I'm confused about. Oh. Well, I have to be on the set early tomorrow morning. If there's anything I can do at all, I'd be only too happy to cooperate. Why don't you start by telling me who handles your properties here? Hmm? A 38 isn't very popular in this part of the world. It's an American gun, one you might be using in this movie. Any American gun is registered with customs. Really? And I have some slugs that Max gave me. Oh, I can dig some more out of the wall. And then what? Police ballistics will look into it from there. If they want to look into it. Yeah, if they want to look into it. Well, Mr. Jordan, it's been very nice meeting you, and I, I know that you're going to take very good care of Max. You were going to tell me the name of the property man? Isn't that funny? I really don't know, Mr. Jordan. I really don't know. But, uh... If there's anything else I can do... Yeah. I'll give you a ring. Do that, Mr. Jordan. I stood there and watched her walk through the front room. She looked like a leopard after a good breakfast. And she had a few nice spots, too. Well, she patted Max in the cheek and kissed him on the head and slid under the wheel of a convertible. That famous long golden hair was blowing behind her by the time she got out of the driveway. Max waved her goodbye. Be careful, my darling. Careful. <sighs> Lovely she is, Mr. Jordan. Yeah, Maxie, she's just fine. For her, too, I must keep myself alive. Gonna marry her? But, of course, as soon as we finish this picture. She needs me. Yeah, I'll bet. Me, wait. Mr. Jordan, you called someone. What now happens? We get some reinforcements. Aha, reinforcers. I like you, Mr. Jordan. You are good to me. Already better, I feel. I waited till Max went to bed, then I got on the phone and called one of my boys from the tambourine. A big kid from Texas who was doubling his extra bartender until he made his fare back to San Antonio. He showed up in 20 minutes. It's only me, Rocky. Yeah, take it easy. All right, Tex, come on in. Where's our clay pigeon? Yeah, roosting in there. Uh, bring it. Mm-hmm. One for you, one for me. Who are we going to shoot at? I don't know. But the police aren't interested in finding out. I'm going to have to find out. Uh, is this legal? Worried? Mm, if Sabaya doesn't like it, what makes you interested? I don't know. Maybe I like the little guy in there. Yeah, go on. Maybe he's in a tough spot where somebody's trying to make it look like he isn't. A lot of maybes. Don't you like it? You run a cafe here, Rocky. You're getting pretty far from the cash register. Well, I can call somebody else, Tex. What do I do? Wait here till I get back. Keep your eyes open. Anything else? You know, somebody's a real good shot or a real bad shot. I don't know. But I'm going to find out. Sam Houston talked the same way. Scared? 
Well, take your time, Rocky. I'll be here. Yeah. Already better, I feel. That was easier than I figured. Back in Cairo, a wire to the port authorities told me the motion picture company had brought in some small arms as props. Three of them with 38s. The wire told me the consignment had been handled by a man named Pete Berger, head of the property department. And it gave a second-rate apartment address. There was a Jeep parked in front marked Property of Imperial Picture Studios. It could have been the one I saw that afternoon. And the girl who answered the door had a voice that sounded like an empty oil drum full of ball bearings. Well, it be, buddy. Brahms or Bebop? Oh, neither one, lady. Well, we ain't got either one for you. How'd you get so nice? I finished finishing school. That guy at the piano, uh, Pete Berger? Who wants to know? My name's Jordan. I'm looking for him. Well, that ain't him and goodbye. I'll ask him myself. He don't talk. Besides, his name's Valley, Richie Valley. What do you want? Pete Berger. They tell me he lives here. Richie and me ain't never heard of no Pete Berger, and he don't live here. Ain't that right, Richie? See? Richie says it's so. Is uh, that door lead to rooms upstairs? Yeah, that door leads to rooms upstairs. Mind if I take a look? I mind a lot of things, and taking a look is one of them. And you're going to be real put out, because I'm taking a look anyway. Stop him, Richie! Don't let him go up there! Flossie! I was only halfway up when a man in a sweatshirt backed over to the top of the stairs. There were three holes just about the center of his chest. He turned and tried to say something. I saw what was going to happen and hugged the banister. She was kneeling beside him, holding his head in her arms, rocking back and forth. Yeah, you guessed it. It was the same gray-haired man I chased that afternoon. He didn't live five seconds. You are listening to The Makeup Man, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Monday night at 6, Irene Don and James Mason will take you into mysterious Siam for a great story of intrigue in the court of a young king. At last, the fine motion picture, Anna and the King of Siam, has come to CBS Radio Theater. Don't miss it. Tomorrow night at 6, over CBS. Now we return you to Cairo and Rocky Jordan for tonight's adventure, The Makeup Man. How can you keep a straight face when a little guy in a cutaway coat comes to you and complains about the bullet holes in his derby and tells you that because he's a makeup man with a motion picture company, the police think it's a publicity gag. Well, the next thing you know, somebody is throwing 38 slugs, and even though nobody gets hurt, it stops being funny. And if the head prompt man, Pete Berger, who was throwing the slugs, does a Brody down a flight of stairs all loaded up with bullet holes without speaking his piece, then you start to make phone calls. His girlfriend's name turned out to be Flossie. She had a good cry over him while I called Sam Sabaya. Sam showed up five minutes later. He gathered everybody together, asked them all a lot of questions, then he began to look tired, like he'd never been to bed. 
Aye, aye, Sergeant. Take them down and book them as material witnesses. This way, please. Just a minute, this Swatty. Way. I got my rights. Oh, you were his wife? Oh, darn right. Me and Pete been married since 1937. My deeper sympathies, Mrs. Burger. I don't know why anybody's put the quiet on poor old Pete, but I know my rights and I want to see the American consul. One of my officers has already notified the American consul of tonight's occurrence. In all probability, a representative of the American consular office will be awaiting you at headquarters. Well, okay then, okay then. We will discuss it later. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. And you, Jordan. Oh, I got one story. And I wish to hear it. This way. It seems that every time there is a disturbance of note in Cairo, you are involved. Wasn't my idea, Sam. I might be forced to book you on technical grounds. Oh, stop it. You know I didn't have anything to do with Burger taking the long nap. When a man from your hometown is shot in your presence... In my hometown? Didn't you know, Jordan? Burger was from St. Louis. Passport office will tell you that much. I didn't know anything about him. But you did have enemies in St. Louis. What are you getting at, Sam? Jordan, I have known you for a long while. Our fortunes and misfortunes have a way of running parallel. Perhaps it is that we are born under the same star. Your past, you have never disclosed. And I have never questioned. What about that passport office of yours? There is a great hurt. What else? I do not know. Sam, you can deport me any time you want to. You can kick me out of Cairo, even out of Egypt. All right, Jordan, it was a thought. The coincidence was extraordinary. I will listen. All right. A little guy named Max Vladney came to me and told me somebody's been shooting at him. He said the police wouldn't listen. Once before, when a motion picture company came to Cairo on location, we were the victims of an overzealous publicity man. Well, I might have had the same idea till I telephoned you this afternoon. Somebody really was shooting at Maxie. Many men, expert with firearms, able to cleave a, a button off a shirt at a long distance, are employed on the picture. Well, that occurred to me, too. But I want to make sure, so I got a line on the one who was making the noise. And you came to have a talk with him, only now he is dead. Yeah, that's him on the floor, in there. The police did not totally ignore Max Vladney's request, nor do we allow a company of aliens to arrive in our city without proper credentials. And, of course, we know their backgrounds. Pete Berger was an ex-convict. Huh? Some people get caught, some get away with it. Since his release from prison, he held many positions as a stuntman, as an actor, and finally as a property man. All right, what's this got to do with me? Perhaps, Jordan, you are unwillingly an accomplice in a murder. Got something to go on? Well, someone in the motion picture company knew of Berger's background, and that someone was blackmailing him, forcing him to pay money to keep his position. <laughs> Sounds like an old fairy tale, Sam. Now, one day, Berger refused to pay and threatened this someone. Also sounds a little backwards to me. Berger wound up dead. Now, my conjecture is no longer hypothetical. It becomes almost a, a theorem. Someone must rid himself of a threat. Positions are reversed. You're sure making up a lot of questions. Oh, no, Jordan. Answers. A complaint about being shot is unheeded. The complainant would not be suspected, but... If he somehow arranges for an innocent witness to bear out his story... Me? ...and then waits his opportunity to rid himself of the threat... You got a name? Where is your friend Max Valdley now? Out at his place. One of my boys, Texas, keeping an eye on him. To check the possibility, shall we make certain of that? Sure, why not? That is what I say, Jordan. Why not? Sam didn't say a word on the way out to the place, but I knew he was thinking that little Max he'd shot Pete Berger, and the way he'd put it made sense. Well, it was about four in the morning when we got there. The sun was just starting to make the sky look like a load of mud. 
When we pulled up in front, one light was still burning in the window. The rest of the place was dark. Everything was quiet. Come on, Sam. All right, Jordan. I... Jordan. Yeah. Cordite. Whole room's full of it. Guns have been fired. Come on, the bedroom. Yeah. This way. Max Vladney was lying face down, half on the floor and half on the table he used for a workshop. A bottle of spirit gum was spilled on the floor, along with some false blonde hair and a cracked wig block. He had one free arm around a white plaster cast of a head. He looked like a little wax dummy holding a doll. But the two blue holes in the middle of his head weren't planned. I... I was mistaken, Jordan. Here. You said there was someone from your cafe watching him for you. Yeah, I got the... What's that? It's from over there by the bed. It was Tex. He was lying over by the foot of the bed. There was a trickle coming out of one side of his mouth. Oh, no. No, no, don't try to move me, Rocky. It's in my lungs somewhere. I don't think I got any blood to spare. <coughs> I've been laying here waiting for you, Rocky. It happened about an hour ago. Noise in Max's room. Next thing I know, I'm taking a slug myself. <coughs> Call me a doc, will you, Rocky? Call me a doc. Quick. Well, Sam made a lot of phone calls before it was all over. An ambulance came by to pick up Tex and take him to the hospital. Then Sam got his crew in there to take pictures and look at Maxie. He didn't say a word to me. Just went around sniffing things and looking. I kept thinking of Maxie and Tex. And part of it began to get hot inside of me. Jordan! Yeah? Jordan, where do you think you're going? I got some things to do. So have I. You aren't doing them fast enough for me. Jordan, you aren't contemplating a foolish gesture. Look, I've seen two dead men tonight and a friend of mine all shot up. The police will find out who is responsible. They don't work fast enough for me. Jordan! Your guesses weren't very good, Sam. I got some of my own. Wait. I haven't got time. This is a matter for the police to handle. They could have stopped it if they listened to Maxie. I warn you, Jordan. I will not tolerate any interference. Look, I like Maxie in Texas, my friend. He's lying in a hospital right now. We don't know whether he's going to live or die, and you're talking about interference. That's enough! That isn't half enough, Sam. Goodbye, I got business. I didn't know where to start or who to start with right then. It's like that sometimes. The flag's up, the meter's ticking, but you're getting nowhere. Then it came to me that Maxie's girlfriend, the hare, didn't know about him yet, so I went over to tell her. It was six o'clock in the morning, but she was wearing a dress that was meant only for nighttime. Well, Mr. Jordan, when I saw you at Max's yesterday, I didn't think you'd be by for that drink so soon. But come in, come in. I was just having some coffee. I have to be on location early. I'm all dressed for the scene, but I have to have a makeup job. You look all right to me the way you are. You can be nice. I have some tough news for you. Max? Something's happened to Max. He's dead. Oh, no. Oh, no, not Max. Poor Maxie. Somebody shot him three hours but ago. Why? Why would anybody want to kill Max? I want to know, too. Max expected me to marry him, and he had so many plans. Mr. Jordan, what can I do to help? A smart cop named Sabaya is going to be knocking on your door pretty soon. He'll want some answers. I want him first. Would you mind terribly if we sat down? I... You see, Max was all I had. And I... I want to be near someone. Sure, sure. I know I'm not doing this scene very well. I... Mr. Jordan, what can I tell you? Did Max ever mention a man named Pete Berger? I never heard the name before. He was the head of your property department. 
He was the one that shot at Max yesterday. He killed Max? No, no. But... Berger's dead, too. I was there when he got shot. Look, I'm not very good at this sort of thing. What are you trying to find? A reason. People kill for money or for love or just for the plain crazy feeling of blasting a gun at somebody. This has been a lot for you. You liked Max, didn't you? He was a nice little guy. But I got more than that. A friend of mine, he was shot too. Another death? No, he's still alive in a hospital. Oh. So there's a reason. Well, aren't the police looking? I want to find out who. I see. What kind of work does a, a makeup man do with a plaster cast? I don't know. I suppose he studies the contour of the face and familiarizes himself with his subject that way. Hmm. He'd, uh, he'd have one of you? I suppose so. He'd have one of every principal in the cast. That's a nice face. Yeah, I, I've seen it in pictures. Oh, my, my press agents think my hair is my fortune. Yeah. Long, golden hair. Does it feel soft and warm? The way you hoped it would feel? Mm-hmm. You've been wanting to hold me like this. To see me like this, haven't you? I... And my lips? How do you like them, Rocky? <sighs> I never loved Max. I was indebted to him. See, I was terribly ill several years ago, and he helped me. I can see why he felt the way he did about you. Can you? I like the way you did that. Well, Max was working on something for you. Really? He had a plaster cast of your head in his arms when I found him. There was no hair on it, and it looked funny. Don't say that. Don't ever say a thing like that. But figures. What are you talking about? Murder, lady, and lots of it. Get out of you here. You killed a poor ex-con because he bungled a scare job you blackmailed him into doing. Then you shot him last night because I was going to talk to him. You're crazy. You killed Max, and you thought you killed Tex. You said yourself there's got to be a reason. You got one. It's not money, your love, or anything else. I hate you. Every newspaper in the world is going to carry this story. Hilda Graham, the movie star with all the long golden hair, is really as bald as a boiled egg. Shut up! Shut up! Don't you ever say anything like that! Don't ever say anything like that! Come on, pick up that bookend. I'd like to have a reason to break you in two. What are you going to do? Turning you over to the police. No. No, you can't. You mustn't. They'll find out about my hair. Oh, please, please, don't let them know! Look, Max was the only one who knew. Don't let them know, Rocky. Please, Rocky, please. I couldn't stand it. I had to kill all those people to make sure that they... Please, Rocky. Please. You know how nice I can be. Lady, you're a bum. Now, Sam got over being mad when I brought her in. We sat down and figured it out. Max had been trying to get her to marry him, but she didn't want to marry anybody. And she was afraid if she didn't marry Max... He'd tell what he knew, so she killed him. It was her hair, that famous long golden hair. Only it wasn't hers. She'd lost all hers when she was sick. She couldn't stand the thought of anybody going around knowing she wore a wig. A couple of days later, I saw Tex at the hospital. He had some transfusions and a couple of other things. 
He was coming out of it all right. You know, I think he summed it all up when he said, You know, Rocky, I've been thinking. It's too bad they didn't take Hilda Graham's picture without that wig. Boy, that'd sure serve her right. CBS again at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with tonight's story by E. Jack Newman, edited by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arant. Don't forget, tomorrow night at 6, Irene Dunn and James Mason will take you into mysterious Siam for that great story of intrigue in the court of a young king. The fine motion picture, Anna and the King of Siam, comes to CBS Radio Theater tomorrow night at 6. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.